Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our assistant pastor, Carlos Farias. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. But uh, if you're there in Philippians uh, chapter 2, follow along with me in verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem each other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Verse number 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for our, the freedom we have to gather in your house and uh, to hear your word preached, Father. And just reading these verses, Lord, thank you that, that you humbled yourself, Lord, and you came to earth and died for us. And just so thankful, Lord, that uh, we know who you are as our Savior, Lord, that you are Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I pray, Father, that Tonight, that we will just be able to come out of your word, Lord, with some uh, applicable truths that we can use in our lives today. We love you so much, and in your name we pray, amen. Today I've titled the message, uh, Humility is Not Exclusive to Jesus. And whether whether or not you know a little bit about Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is in jail, and he's writing to the church of Philippi. And this, it talks about in the first part of this chapter to be like-minded and with the same kind of love, being of one accord. After that, it goes into humility. And this is a very important passage of Scripture that, Jesus, that deals with Jesus and his humanity and also how, and his deity. When Jesus was on earth, the only man to ever have that title of being 100% God and 100% man, something that no one really back then understands and sometimes we can't even comprehend how that's possible. But Jesus, he didn't, he didn't lessen his deity on earth. He limited his powers of his deity. He just came totally dependent on the Father. And Paul is just writing to this church. He's telling them, if, if you, he's saying, because you know that Jesus Christ died for you and you know that he is a savior, yet you guys are not doing these things. And Paul wouldn't be writing to the church of Philippi about these things if they were already doing well in these areas. While on earth, we can see that Jesus lived a life that was beyond what we could ever live. And he lived a perfect life on earth, and he was the most humble person that ever lived on earth. If Jesus could humble himself, it says in the passage that he humbled himself unto death. I mean, he came to totally dependent on the Father, and he humbled himself to die a death that wasn't a, that wasn't a good death. Then we should humble ourselves before God. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've you've heard a you've heard a sermon or a lesson about 
humility. And I and I heard I've heard so many sermons, especially at Bible college. We've heard we had sermons five days a week and something in seven, you know, during the weekend. So I've heard a lot about humility, and every time I hear something that's taught or preached on about humility, I get I get convicted every time because I know that my flesh does not want to be humble. I don't my flesh doesn't want me to live in humility because my flesh my flesh wants to be in control. And when I'm in control, I'm not humble. And there's always something that I can grow in in, in my humility. For those of you who don't know, I've, I've recently graduated college at Bible College and West Coast Baptist College. And I actually came home early, earlier than I was supposed to because of COVID-19. And I thought I was going to start working here a little bit later than I did. So I was here early, and there wasn't much going on, so Pastor and I had talked, and, and we decided that one might as, well just, might as well just get me going, right? So I knew coming into a brand new position, not a lot, not, no experience, just doing what I love to do, working with kids. And I knew that if I didn't come into it with a, with a servant's heart, with a heart of humility, then I would probably be pretty miserable doing it. And I just, I just love this passage that it's, we're not learning humility from Paul or me, but we're seeing our Savior, the one who died for us, how he displayed that humility for us. Living with humility will never hurt you, but living with pride will destroy you. Notice with me from Philippians chapter 2 how we can live out authentic humility in our lives. If I'm going to be humble, point number one, I want to put others before myself. I want to put others before myself. Now, when I just said that, a lot of you are like, oh, here we go. You know, he's telling us to put other people before ourselves, but in, in reality, Paul is telling them, if you read, look at me in verse number three, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. In verse number two, he says, fulfill ye my joy. And Paul is saying, if you do these things, you're fulfilling my joy. And that's putting, that's thinking of, that's thinking of each other more important than yourself. And then we do not like to do that. I know how much, I love myself. And, and hearing, hearing a passage like this just convicts me and reminds me that it's not about me, that the world doesn't revolve around Carlos. But man, I have church family, my own family, people that I meet in the community who people I don't even know, I should think that they're more important to me than me than I am to myself. And you look, look in verse number one and two, Paul's talking about the unity within their own church. If there be for any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Now, it seems to me that, the, that the, this, the church of Philippi, they weren't on the same page. You know, Paul's writing to them, you know, you, Christ did this for you. Christ loved you with this great sacrificial love. So you, you guys should be doing the same thing. And that should, that should be mostly Baptist church and if, if you play sports or you didn't play sports, you know that unity is important in a group project or whatever you're doing because there's strength in unity and there's that, that assurance that we're all on the same page. We are going towards the same goal. Have you ever been in a group project where you feel like you're the only one doing the work and then you're, the people in your group get a good grade because you did all the work? 
No, that isn't really good unity. And I have, I'm going to have Leo come up here and help me out with the illustration. Leo, you're going to try. This is, a, this is a really thick pile of paper, okay? So Leo's going to try to tear it. Don't try it so hardly, okay? Now, Leo's having a really tough time because these, these, these pieces of paper, which are really thin but strong together, now he's going to try doing it a different way that's going to be easier to rip paper. So Leo is ripping paper now one at a time. Okay, so Leo is able to rip the paper really easily if it's one at a time. But he, he could not rip them together. And it's a silly, he's still struggling. It's a silly illustration, but you get the point, right? The, the paper, yeah, you can keep all that paper, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> the paper has great unity because together they're strong. But when they're not, when they're not together, they can be torn really easily. Sometimes, right, Leo? They can be torn easily. Yeah. But the point is this, is that if, we're, if there's even just a couple of us it, that are not in unity, then we're, we're really easy targets for Satan. And Satan's going to know which one of us are not in unity, and he can go at us one by one instead of as a group. Satan's going to know where the weak spots are. So we have, to, we, have to make it, we have to make a decision every single day that, Lord, I want to humble myself before you and not give into the flesh. Paul's charge to the church of Philippi was if they have experienced the love of Jesus, then they too should have that same love. Verse 3, Paul is telling the church of Philippi to literally let nothing at all be done with selfishness or in conceit. A lot of the times we are self-driven with our own selfish motives. We can even come to a church service if you are in any area of serving, ushering, greeting, uh, make, making snacks, being involved in the music or the kids program. Man, you can, come, you can come into that with selfish motives. And just because you're serving at church doesn't mean that you're having the right motives and being humble before the Lord. And can it be said in our own lives that we consider people more important than we consider ourselves? And that is, that is a, that's a question that really convicts me because, you know, it's easy to say it, but am I really doing it? Can someone come in here that's visiting and just tell that, man, they really, they really put me first and they really care about me? Especially in a time like this in this year where you might be more concerned about what's going on with you, but there's people all around us that need our help and are uplifting you may think to yourself that humility is not really necessary for your Christian life. But that's what Satan wants you to believe. He wants you to think that, man, you don't need to depend upon the Holy Spirit, but you really, you, de- you do need to live with humility. You see in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 5 says, Everyone that is proud in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he should not be unpunished. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Every time I read James 4, 6, I think I first saw it with McCracken, uh, the evangelist McCracken, where he had someone come up here, and he put his arm out, and you know, he was trying to have them you know, reach him, but they couldn't because he was resisting them. 
I'm not going to have anyone come up here because my arms are too short and you're going to reach me, okay? <laughs> and I'm not going to try to do that one because I couldn't, okay? But the point is, is that if you're, living, if you're living in pride and God is literally, he's, really, he's literally resisting you and you won't be able to see him work in your life how you think he would. And Proverbs 26, 12 says, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Man, that's, that's a pretty powerful verse right there. If I'm, if I'm wise in my own eyes, then there's more, hope to, there's more hope in a fool than in me. Someone who is saved, someone who's a Christian, there's, more, there's, not, there's not hope in me when I'm acting in pride. Matthew 23, 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. There's so many truths in the Bible, so many passages of Scripture that, that can show us that humility is way better than pride. But Satan wants to deceive you in thinking that you need to put yourself first. It's me first, me first, me first. And I love the joy across it, which is Jesus, others, and yourself. You should be last. Jesus should be first. And if you look to Jesus, it will help you so much easier to just love on others as he loved us. If any of us are struggling with pride, we can get it right tonight with God. He knows that we struggle. He knows that we're going to struggle with it every day. But it's up to us to give it to the Lord and get it right with him. We as a church can love the same, be like-minded, and in one accord if we in humility place more importance on those around us than ourselves. I think I have a quote on the next slide that says, A humble person is not one who thinks little of himself, hangs his head and says, I'm nothing. Rather, he is one who depends wholly on the Lord for everything in every circumstance. I've heard pastors say it before. You know, humility isn't walking around with your hands in your pocket and your head down and say, I'm nothing, I'm, I'm no good for anything. And, and he's, you know, pastor said that's a form of pride. And you know, being humble isn't bagging yourself down, it's, just what, it, what that quote says is just depending wholly on the Lord. Secondly, tonight, if we want to be, if we're going to live authentic humility, we have to put on the mind of Christ. We read verse 5, follow along. <clears throat> Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. When I, when I first read this verse, I'm like, how am I supposed to put on the mind of Christ? You know, I, I just don't know how I'm supposed to think like Jesus and be like Jesus if Jesus lived a perfect life. But Paul, in his, you know, while he's writing this letter to them, he's telling them that they, they can. Because Jesus lived a life of you know, perfection and he, he gave us the greatest example of how one to live. You notice in the New Testament that Jesus Christ, who was, also, who was God and human, depended on the Lord or depended on the Father for a lot. Jesus had a prayer relationship with the Father, you know, but he was God. So Jesus on earth depended on the relationship with the Father because he knew that that relationship was necessary for him to prosper in life. And so much more we should, we should believe that it's necessary to have that relationship with Jesus Christ and with God with the Father through humility. Throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, we can see time after time where he performed miracles and he was never afraid to talk about his deity. 
He was never, he was never afraid, to, afraid to claim that he is God. In, Jesus, in Hebrews 1a it says, But unto, unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Okay. So many times, the Pharisees, they try, to, they, try to slip, they try to get Jesus to slip. They try to question his deity. They try to get him to say something that would, you know, get him to get people to think that he's not God. That was the one reason why they wanted him to die. They died. This guy who claims to be the son of God, who claims to be Messiah, we have to kill him for that because he's lying to everybody. He's being a blasphemer. In John 10, 30, it says, I and my father are one. Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He says, I and my father are one. In Matthew 4, 7, Jesus said unto him, it is written again that, shalt, that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And this is when, cert, and when was a serpent was tempting him in the wilderness. And Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. <clears throat> And Jesus was never afraid to, to, to say that he was God. And it's because it says in verse number six that he being in the, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And that's so important for us to know that Jesus was 100% God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John 1.14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Have you ever wondered why did God why did God come to earth and become human? Like it doesn't make any sense because we know how big God is, how great he is, how holy God is. Now, McCracken, uh, uh, Brother McCracken preached, God is holy, holy, holy. You know, that's, he was doing all that and flapping his jacket, you know. But if you ever just think about it, like, why did God get, why did Jesus come to the earth in such a humble birth? You know, born in a manger, no, didn't have anything comfortable to lay on. Why did he become flesh? He wanted to dwell among us. He, he knew that we have a problem. He knew that once we lived our life, that, and at the end of our life, that was it, that without some kind of atonement, some sacrifice, that we would just live, die, and go to hell. But God, in his love, in his mercy, he, he made a way for us to not have to go through that. And it, just, it really just blows my mind how much God loves me and how much he loves each and one, every one of you, that he would do that. God didn't have, God didn't need an excuse to not send his son to the earth. You know, he didn't need a reason not to do it, but he did it because he loves you and me. Colossians 1, 16 through 18 says, For by him were all things created, talking about Jesus, that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be they be, be, be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have, or he might have the preeminence. Jesus Christ 
did such a great act in humility that he, he was God who died for us. Jesus did not have to humble himself. Of course, Jesus knew what was going to happen at the end of his life on earth. Jesus had the ability to save himself from, cruc- from the crucifixion. But he thought of us, and he had so much love for and so much compassion that he willingly gave his life. They weren't struggling to put his arms on the cross. He wasn't struggling to kick his legs around. He literally he willingly gave his life without struggle for us. When Jesus was in the garden, we can recall that he was praying to God. You got to remember that Jesus was also human. He, and, but he knew what was, what was just hours down the road, that his death. And he asked the Father, he said, if it's, if it's, let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I remember when I, I, heard, those, I heard that phrase at a, at a teen camp. That was one of the themes, or one of the themes of the passages that we heard. It was, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And that's when I first, that's when I first gave my life to God. And I said, Lord, this is, this is all new to me, but I know how good you are. And whatever you want with my life, you can have. And that's so awesome to me that Jesus, who had the ability to call upon a thousand angels to save him from the crucifixion, he limited his, his deity, his powers. He limited his power and just became wholly dependent on the Father's plan for his life. And when I get, when I get so caught up in, it doesn't matter if you get caught up in busyness, caught up in family, when you don't, when you're not depending on the Lord and living out his will for your life, man, that's not what he wants for us. Verse seven says, he made himself of no reputation it took upon the form of a servant. Jesus did not have to serve anyone, yet he emptied himself. He willingly gave everything for us. I talked about this a couple weeks ago on a Saturday challenge, um, John 13. And we don't have to turn there, but just when I think of John 13, I think of one of the greatest things that, greatest humi- uh, acts of humility that Jesus did besides dying. We know that in John 13, he's with his disciples and he washes their feet. And every time I think of that passage, I just, I absolutely love it because if you think about it, Jesus was pouring his life into these disciples and they should have been the one to wash his feet. Because this is Jesus, you know, the savior of the world. It's Jesus Christ, the king of kings. But he put all his titles aside. He put all, he put all his titles aside and said, Guys, I love you, and I would just want to wash your feet and show you how much I love you. And if I was one of the disciples, I would have been absolutely blown away. You can t- remember when Peter said, you, you can't wash my feet, Lord. But then Jesus explained to him why he's doing it. And Jesus, well, that wasn't the most humble thing he did. It's when he humbled himself to death. One of the most sacrificial acts that anyone's ever done, giving himself for the entire world. Think of the most humble person that you know and multiply that by infinity. That is how humble our Savior was when he humbled himself unto death. When reading the Gospels, it's not hard to tell how great a servant Jesus was and all the times he put others above himself. He was doing it as God and as man. Paul is telling the church of Philippi 
They need to put on the mind of Christ. We tonight need to aspire to become more Christ-like every day. We're never going to become sinless. We're never going to reach perfection until we have our glorified bodies. But that doesn't mean that we have an excuse to just stay in sin. Romans chapter 6, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Yea, God forbid. And God's plan for our life is we can become, we can become sinless, but every day we can sin less. And in our sanctification, we can grow and grow closer to the Father. And we don't have to, we don't have to, in, we don't have to step into that temptation. We don't have to hold on to the devil's lies and deceits. If anyone tonight is struggling with pride in any area, it's best that we get it right tonight. Do not keep putting off what you know needs to change. In verse number, verse number nine, it says, Wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is, which is above every name. God rewarded Jesus for his humility. And God saw how Jesus willingly gave his life and that Jesus followed every plan that God had for him. And now he said, I have given him a name that is above every name. You know, if we, why is Jesus' name, Jesus' name so exalted and so, so much importance placed on it? It's because of what he did. He, he not only showed his love, he proved it for us. And this Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And God rewarded Jesus. And it, and it says right there that he given, a, he given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And everyone, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What saved or unsaved, everyone is going to bow before the Lord and confess that he is Lord. That's as, as awesome to me, I think. I think it's a great, it's a great uh, picture of... <clears throat> Jesus Christ and his, you know, how elevated he is. And we are really nothing outside of Jesus' shed blood. Satan wants you to think that, man, Moses Lake Baptist Church would not be the same if I wasn't there. Oh, man, if pastor did not have me as the head of the children's ministry, man, they would not be growing. You know, that is, that is the, that was the kind of lies that Satan will feed to us, but yet sometimes we even give in to them. We laugh and we think it's kind of silly, but, man, we, sometimes we get in this mindset that of, I am important. You know, I matter. I, I, I. And that's, that is the wrong mindset to be in. And we just needed to, we need to just fully depend on God. And as I'm studying this message, humility is such a hard topic to talk about, to study about, because, man, every time I'm studying it, I got to take a break, you know. I'm sorry, Lord, I, I want to get right in this area of my life in humility. I want to grow, and I just get hit left and right, left and right, like Leo's hitting me, okay? And I, I've just really enjoyed studying this message out and just learning uh, how I can grow in my humility in my life because, man, I want, that's something that I want to grow in, especially coming into a, a different stage of my life Coming, going from a church member to a staff member is really different. And I guess gotta, I got to realize that it's not, 
any of my abilities. It's not my wisdom or my knowledge that's going to get me anywhere. But it's living in humility, depending on God. And he'll direct my paths and show me where to go if I'm willing to, if to, to do that for him. Just two very simple points tonight that will help us live out authentic humility in our lives. One is just simply <clears throat> putting others before yourself. Probably one of the hardest things to do is humans, we just love ourselves. We just love to buy stuff for ourselves, make sure, make sure that we're clean and everything else. And we want to put ourselves first because our flesh loves to love itself. And we see real Christians denying the flesh and putting on humility, loving others. If someone were to come from the outside community, a visitor, and they saw that we were not in, we were not in one accord, not of the same mind, not of the same love, it sends them a bad message. It sends them the message that, you know what, it's not really different than my workplace. All the, they're, they're just fighting and arguing and not on the same page, but from the years that I've been at Mosley Baptist Church, I can tell there's a genuine group of people that love the Lord and want, to do, and want to serve Him. Our real people, real life, real change. That's Pastor's vision when he came to start Mosley Baptist Church, that, that we would be real, genuine people who just, want to lo- who just love the Lord and serve Him. And the second point is putting on the mind of Christ. And putting on the mind of Christ isn't some like, big experience or some big spiritual experience, but it's just simply applying what's in this book to our lives. And this, this, is, this is the word of God. Jesus is the word, and he, we have a relationship with him every day if we open the book. A lot of the times are, I know in my life, I've, my Bible has just been sitting closed all week, no, it's Sunday night. Where's my Bible? I can't find my Bible. I need my Bible for, for church. Okay. Thursday night. Oh, it's Thursday night already? I got to get my Bible. I can't find my Bible. But, man, this book is our, you know, God's love letter to us. And we're not going to grow in humility. We're not going to grow in any area of our life if we're not in it daily. And I can just tell you that when you're not in it, you just feel like your life's going in a constant circle of, just down the hill, down the hill. But you know you haven't been in the Word. It's not like you, I haven't been in the, I haven't read my Bible for a month. Wow, that's so weird. No, you know. And then the more you put it off, the easier it is. I just want to challenge you today that humility is not something that we should just think about once, once a week. It's a daily decision that we have to make. Thank God, I cannot live my life wholly dependent on myself. I need you. I need to rely on your spirit to help me grow in humility. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.